me ask you a question as we kind of get started today. Um, any of you made a mistake this week? How many? Anybody? Well, you've done something and you didn't mean to do it or it was an accident or maybe on purpose. You did something you shouldn't do and it just kind of lingers out there. For instance, in your order of service today, there's a mistake in there. That is completely my fault. For some reason, I had in my mind that the community Thanksgiving service that happens tonight, City of Goodlettsville gets together, has a Thanksgiving service, was at 530. It's not. It's at 630. Oops. So if you're going and you show up at 530, you get to be part of the choir. So congratulations on part of that. Right. Some mistakes are bigger than others. I saw this week and I give Kentucky basketball fans a hard time. Uh, right. Yeah. Like you, Scott, I do. Uh, I saw this week, though, something really sweet that their coach tried to do. He got online and this was a couple of days ago and he wrote a happy birthday to his daughter. We're proud of the woman that you are becoming. Happy birthday to my baby. To which she wrote back 10 minutes later, it's not my birthday, Dad. Awkward, right? Anybody here ever missed a birthday or an anniversary? or? Now, some of you have, and you're acting like, I'm not going to admit that, right? Some of you, like, no, I stopped at Publix on the way home and got a rose. I'm okay, right? Sometimes we make mistakes and they're innocuous, and sometimes we make mistakes and they're a big deal. And over the last few weeks, uh, we've been talking about this series about how to be rich. And today what I want to do as we conclude that is I want to look again at that set of verses that we've been looking at in depth, uh, kind of away from them over the last few weeks, and spend some time looking directly at them. Because in them is a secret that I think that many of us miss, and as a result of this mistake, we live our lives in a way that is not what God intended. And it's a simple mistake, and it's one that if you ask us, we would know, oh yeah, 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 I understand that. But just subconsciously or unconsciously, we, we just live in a way that says we don't really believe that. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to First Timothy we're going to be in the last chapter of 1 Timothy today. We're going to look at those three verses that we've looked at many times over the last few weeks. But it's 1 Timothy chapter 6, starting in verse 17. And it just says this, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God. And we'll stop there for a second, because... Part of what this series has been about is to convince you, as I've said every week, of something you don't want to believe about yourself. And that is that you are, you don't even want to say it. I do that every week and nobody, everybody's silence. What is it? We're convinced that we are rich, right? We talked about that. Almost everybody in this room, if you have a job and are making money, that most of us in this room, if not all of us in this room, are in the top Four to five percent of wage earners in the world. In fact, many of us in this room are in the top one percent of wage earners. If you earn somewhere between forty-five and fifty thousand dollars as a household, you are in the top one percent in the world. And so we are rich. 
We are people that have more than we need. And a good definition of being rich is just simply that. Somebody that has more than we need. And so we've tried to convince ourselves. We've said we don't feel like it. Uh, Sometimes our bank account doesn't look like it. But we are in fact rich. And Paul says to Timothy, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, to to put their hope in God. He goes on to say, who fully and richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. And in doing that, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. So they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Now, we're going to stop there. Because here's what I want to tell you. In the first few few words of the first verse that we just read, Paul gives away the entire motivation and reason that we ought to live generously. And he gives away that secret that most of us subconsciously do not act like we believe. It's in the first few words of that first verse that we read. There's just a little phrase in there that gives us pause or should. It says, command those who are rich in this present world. Let me ask you just a quick question. If this is the present world, what does that mean? If this is the present world, what does that mean? There's going to be another one. (laughs) In those few words, what he reminds us is, this is not it. This is not it. What he reminds us of is that we live in this world and this is currently where we reside. But this is not the end. This is not the end of it all. There is something else coming. And those of you that have more than you need in this present age, it must have an impact on what's going to happen in the age that is to come. You see, most people, if we're honest with ourselves, we live as if this is it. As if this world is all that there is, as if this life is all that we have, as if this is the end all be all of our existence. And so we get all we can, we can all we get, and we put it away to make sure everything's taken care of. And Paul says to Timothy, remind those who are rich now. It's just a simple thought. That if there is a now, there is also a later. Don't be arrogant. Don't put your hope in wealth, which is uncertain. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever had something that you thought was okay and it broke down? Y- y'all are the luckiest people in the world. You s- Anybody ever had anything that you thought was okay? and Like a car that broke down, a toy that, that broke, or... You, you had something you thought was in good shape, but a, a roof that started to leak, right? One of my favorite stories is about a, a pastor who uh, went to his first church, and uh, they, they, uh, they were sitting around one day, and he was preaching the first service he ever preached at the church. He was their new pastor, and in the middle of the service, it started to rain, kind of like today, and over in the corner, stuff started dripping, And as soon as that happened, several of the deacons, being good deacons, got up and went and got the buckets that were sitting over there and positioned it under. That night he was at a business meeting and they said, um, they looked in there and there was this fund over there. He goes, what is is this money over here? And he goes, oh, that's our rainy day fund. He said, I believe today is a rainy day. Let's get the money and use it, all right? 
Things are going to break down. We need that. We need something to help. You, you buy a car, and it's a good car, and it passes all, and you know, and you get on Carfax, and everything's good. And then everything's good one day, and you're driving downtown, and all of a sudden you pull up to a red light, and you're stopping, following all the rules, and all of a sudden, boom. Amen. There you go. Now you got to make a trip to the body shop, and it's not quite right. And you're driving that same car that you're still making payments on, and all of a sudden you hear something kind of funny, and you're like, oh, what is that? And you're driving home, and you're on a long trip, and you come off the interstate, and you get to a red light, and when you put it back, when you, when you get ready to go again, you push the gas, and it just goes, and you sit there. Hmm, that's probably not good. And you look at, you know the little helpful things that tells you how many miles you got till you're empty, Right? And you look at it and it starts going to 180, down to 12, up to 68. And you see the gas gauge just doing this. That's not good. It's uncertain. It's been said the only certainty we have in this life is uncertainty. I mean, do you really know what's going to happen at Thanksgiving this week? No. You think you know. You think, well, we got the food planned. We got everybody's coming in. It'll be good. But you never know. It's uncertainty. He says, don't put your hope in that, but put your hope in God. He continues, and he's going to come back around to that present day thing. So this is God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good and to be rich in good deeds and to be generous. Notice there that he says, if, if we need to do something so that we're not tied to this present world, then what we do is we do good. We are rich in good deeds. We are generous. It's about what we do and who we are. Do and be. Be generous, rich in good deeds, willing to share. And then he says this, in this way, by doing good, by being people that are generous with what we have, you will lay up yourself treasure. Now, that, that's just kind of strange, to be honest with you. Let, let me ask you a quick question. If I have $100 and I give away 50 am I laying up money? No, what am I doing? I'm giving it away. Here's the general rule. You give it away, you no longer have it. So how can we give away and build up a treasury? Well, he tells us. You build up a treasury for yourselves in the coming age. So they may take hold of the life that is true life. Here's what I love about this passage and what we're going to kind of focus on today is how do we do good? How are we to be generous? And here's the reason. is because it allows us to lay a foundation for the coming age. Can I tell you, there is a day coming when Jesus Christ will return and everything will be set right. And in that day, it will be completely different than this day. And what I really care about is not being wealthy here, it's being wealthy there. Now you say, well listen, it's going to be Florida, it's going to be paradise. It is. But the truth is, if God has given you extra, He's given you extra in order to make an eternal difference in this world the goal is not to get more stuff and to keep more stuff and to have more stuff and to do more stuff it's to lay up treasures for what's coming now i didn't do this whole series i didn't do these four sermons to make you feel guilty in fact that is not my purpose at all god doesn't intend for you to feel guilty but he does want you to be responsible with what you have he doesn't want you to feel guilty about, oh, I've got to give more, I've got to do more. He wants you to be responsible with what he's entrusted you with. 
Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Enjoy it. Love it. Don't feel guilty, but use it in order to do good, to be rich and to be generous, willing to share. Be responsible with what you have. And here's how I want to end this whole series. Next week, we're going to move on to a series I'm very excited about. We're going to be talking about why in the world would Jesus come to our world? What was the purpose of that? But as we end this series, I feel like if I don't give you some real practical application about how to be rich, then I've failed you as a pastor and we're not doing what God's called us to do. And so I want to give you some real practical application on how to be rich. Now, again, when I say that, immediately in your mind, a lot of you, the flags go up, I'm not rich, I'm not rich. Again, I don't ask if you felt rich. I didn't ask if you think you're rich. I'm just asking you to practice being rich. And I want to ask you that question today, and I want you to ask yourself, what is my giving strategy? Because here's what I believe. God wants us to be faithful and continually giving. Faithfully and continually giving. And most of us, especially my generation and the generation really before me and the generation after me, we are emotional givers. We're not planned givers, we're emotional givers. So we're there one day, oh, I haven't given in a while, i got to give, i got to give. It's emotional kind of pull on our lives. Or um, we were watching on TV and there's a horrific weather event in Haiti or a horrific typhoon over in Thailand and the Red Cross number comes up and we think, oh, i got to give to that. Or they're doing a telethon and, hey, we need help with these kids. And we give to that because it stirs our emotions and we want to help. But it being an emotional giver, which, which giving emotionally is not, not bad, we, we miss out on some of the structured giving that is what God intends for us to do. Now, the generation before the generation before me, my grandparents' generation, they were strategic givers, practiced, disciplined givers. And I don't know what happened after the World War II generation, but we didn't get it. If you look at all the statistics, the amount of money given by Americans to charitable causes, not just to churches, but churches in particular, has drastically declined from the Depression until now. During the Depression, it went down a little bit. It raised back up in the 50s. But we give at a much lower percentage rate than the people of the Depression did. So here's three questions I'm asking you or I'm going to challenge you to do. And the first thing I'm going to challenge you to do is to be faithful in intentionally sharing your resources. I'll intentionally share what I have. Now, I don't just mean money here, although that's a large part of what you have. I'm talking about how can I use my house for the glory to lay up treasures in heaven? How can I use the cars that I drive? How can I use the stuff that I have? How can I use that to lay up treasures in heaven? How can I give? How can I be generous with that? I'll intentionally share my resources. Now, I've given you, I talked about practical stuff. I've given you and am giving you three really practical ways to do that. And first of all, were the shoe boxes. Now, I don't know if you did a shoe box or not. Some of you, this is the first time you're here. You're like, we don't do this every Sunday, okay? 
We don't have these on the stage every Sunday. This is a special one time a year thing. And you gave in this. And then I know for some of you, you packed it and you really put a lot of thought into it. But you wonder what, man, what kind of difference will it make? Where will it go? What will it do? And the truth is part of the great thing I love about the shoebox is we don't really know. We just give faithfully to the Lord and he takes care of it. I read a story this week that was kind of cool about that. It was actually I saw it yesterday. There was a girl in the Philippines that she was seven or eight years old had gone through vacation Bible school at a little church there in the Philippines. And at the end of the week, at their celebration, they gave them the shoeboxes. And as they gave them the shoeboxes, she went through that. There was a plan of salvation that was provided by Samaritan's person there. And she looked through it. And as she read it, she went and understood her own sin and what it meant to follow Jesus. And she accepted Christ from the shoebox that was given to her. She went home. She shared with her family. Her mom and her dad became believers in Jesus Christ. Her dad became a pastor in a local Filipino church and is growing a church where people are constantly coming to faith in Jesus. Now, the reason this story got publicity, because here's the truth. That happens all the time with these boxes. That's not unique. The reason this story got particular uh, traction is because she remembered that the family that, that sent her the box put a picture in there of the family and just a little note and an address. And so she wanted to thank them because of all that had happened with her dad, all that had happened. She held on to that picture. She held on to all the stuff. And she sent a letter that somehow got lost in the mail. But when she got to be like 16 or 17 years old, and I'm not sure on the time, but she got to be older, She, for some reason, just thought, I need to tell this family the impact they've had. And she remembered in particular, there was a little boy in the picture that was around her age that had a lasso and like a real cowboy hat. And so she went on Facebook and she searched for this name. She had the name memorized, the family. And she searched for the name of the little boy. And she found one on Facebook that was living in Idaho. And she remembered somewhere that the one in Idaho is a place that has cowboys every now and then. So she friended him on Facebook. They began to have conversations about what God was doing in both of their lives. And to make a long story short, they got married in October. So here's the lesson. If you're looking for a spouse, put a good picture in there, give your address. The point is, we think of these as small gifts, but this is sharing resources. Our kids look forward to it every year. I know many of your kids do as well. And it's an important thing to give to them. Now, let me just tell you this. If for some reason you didn't get a shoebox here today, you know, man, I wish I could have done that. There is a way to do it still, but it's not here. Goodlessville Nazarene Church over on Loretta behind Publix is where we're taking all these. And if you want to go home and pack one this afternoon or tomorrow, they finish taking them tomorrow. You can go drop it off there and they'll take it and get it where it needs to go. So that was one opportunity. A second opportunity is what I'm calling, we're calling FBC Angel Tree. And this is a local school school in Goodlettsville that has called us and said we have they have lots of kids we're not taking all the kids they have but we have told them we will take 40 kids that are not going to be able to have Christmas in this area that go to that school without our help and so here's what what's happening with that we got those names this weekend we do not have them in a way that we can give those out yet but we're going to do that for the next couple of days and so next Sunday 
out in the foyer is going to be a tree where you can take off a child or two or three. We are going to be responsible for 40 children. And you take that name, we'll give you a list of things, and they're saying about $100 a child. And so maybe it's your family, you can't do it. Most of our families could do that, but maybe your family can't do that. But you could go together with another family or two, and you want to do a child or two. And so you're going to get that next Sunday, and then we need all the stuff back the next Sunday, December 7th. And we'll get it to the school, and they will disperse it to the kids and they'll be able to have things that they would normally have at Christmas time. Another opportunity you have is the week after that, what we're calling the giving extravaganza. I feel like we ought to have like a big top tent or something around when we do that. We're not. Two things on that day. First of all, we're going to take a special offering that day. That's in addition. We will take a regular offering, but we'll take a second special offering that day. And the special offering that day, none of that is staying here. We're going to give that to places in our community, places like the Goodlettsville Help Center, places like the Cumberland Crisis Pregnancy Center, places like Second Harvest Food Bank downtown, places like Rescue One and other organizations that are helping with women who are in danger of being caught in the web of trafficking. We're going to be using that in lots of areas just to bless them this Christmas and during the holidays. Not a dime of what's here is going to stay. Part of that will go to our Lottie Moon Christmas offering that supports international missionaries all over the world. And so we're going to make an impact, we hope, with this special offering here nationally and internationally. In fact, um, I'm hoping that day that we will get, in addition to our normal offering, a second offering that is equal to one week's offering to be able to disperse to Lottie Moon, to be able to give out to... Lots of places. Also on that day, because food banks are hit especially hard during this time of year, we're asking you to bring canned foods. And I want to brag on Miss Geneva Crabb from our first service who has already brought her canned foods in. Nothing like being early, right? You can bring them in between now and then, but we're going to officially collect them that day. And we're just going to take those, disperse those to food banks around that are in need of it. Here's the whole goal of that. The whole goal of that is simply for us to do what God calls us to do, to do good deeds, to be generous without strings attached, without expecting things of people, just to say we love you, we love this community, we love the people in this community, we want to make a difference. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, Paul writing to that church says that they are to decide upon as they come the first day of the week that there's a part of what they're going to give and they're there to give. And part of living generously is special things like this, but in some ways that's emotional giving. And I talked about that that's okay, but it's not what God intends. Another part of this being um, generous with your resources means giving on a regular basis. The Bible has this concept called tithing, and I don't think on this side of Jesus' death and resurrection that it is a law. I don't think it's a requirement. I think it's a guideline, but I think God intends for us to live in a way that shows that we love him and that we are appreciative of what he's given us. And 10% oftentimes is a minimum of what we should give. You say, but pastor, you haven't seen my budget. There's no way I could give 10%. And let me be honest with you. There's some of you in here that are giving nothing, and, and that's okay. As you follow Jesus, I hope that that stirs in you a desire to do more. But here's what I want to tell you. Going from giving zero to giving 10% is kind of like going on a crash diet on January 1st. 
by the 4th of January, you're grumpy as can be and you're hungry and you don't, you end it and you go pig out on the first sweet you see. Some of you say, well, I'm going to go. I'm going to give 10%. That's what I'm going to do. I haven't given a dime in six years. I'm going to give 10%. And you go out and you do that one time. And that month, you don't make your bills. And you get in trouble. And you're like, I'm never doing that again. So just set a percentage that's challenging but doable. And then begin faithfully give and pray that the Lord will let you increase that. God cares about your heart, not about the decimal point on the line item. Now, I think... As you grow, hopefully you get to a place where 10% is a minimum of what you can do. But you don't have to jump in there if you haven't been. Just begin to be faithful to do what he calls you to do. So the first giving strategy is that you're going to be faithful. You're going to be intentional about your resources. Secondly, I will be intentional about sharing my time. There are very few things in this world that they're not making more of. And time is one of those things. The time you are given is a non-renewable resource. Once you use it, it is gone. If you want a depressing exercise, and I know you're all excited about that. Yes, Lord. The, yes, Lyle. Please give us a depressing exercise. I want you to go home this afternoon and just write down on a sheet of paper all the things in the last month you spent money on and all the things you did in the last week with your time that when the second error comes, when the coming error comes, when Jesus comes again, will fade away and be no more. So what did you spend your money and your time on in the last week, in the last month that is fading away, that will be gone, that won't even matter anymore? You know, for some of us, it's not like when Jesus comes, it's gone right away. Yesterday we got a call that one of our nieces was playing basketballs. She plays for a school in Jackson and they were coming uh, to play CPA here in Nashville. And they called us and said, hey, the whole family's going to be there. We've got um, our nephew has got a, a new baby. and We're all trying to see the baby. You know, you got to see the baby. And so we're all going to be there at, the, at CPA if you all want to come. And so we got the news late in the afternoon. We got ready to drive down there and we noticed that... Um, Earlier in the day, we had noticed that we needed some gas. So I'd gotten gas, you know, and that's a painful experience, right? Just every time you go, it's a painful. It's not as painful as it used to be, like six months ago, but it's painful. And we, we had the gas. When I looked at the gauge, we were getting ready to leave to go down there. I noticed that we were pretty full. We drove to CPA. We stopped on the way back, got something to eat, drove all the way back. And when I got back, I just happened to look down. And you know what had happened? It was like at half a tank. I'm not getting that gas back. Now, at least I hadn't figured out how to do that yet. If you do, let me know, right? You ever gone and eaten at a really good restaurant? Man, the food's good. And then that check arrives. And you look, and honestly, with a family of six, it ain't even got to be a really good restaurant. And as you're signing your name, it's almost painful. To realize it's already gone. Now, I'm not saying quit eating. Quit driving places. But think about all the stuff in your life that you do with your time or that you spend your money on that is fleeting and gone. Can I tell you that I'm very excited about the future of this church. And I believe God's in the midst of doing some really cool things. And I believe God's going to do 
even more. And after the first of the year, I'm going to do a sermon series. And we're going to talk about some new things and talk about commitments and those kind of things. And I'm going to tell you in advance, we're going to be asking you to intentionally share more of your time. And for some of you, not all, but for some of you, it will be much more difficult to intentionally give of your time than it is to give of your money. Your time's a non-renewable resource. It's not coming back to you. You can't make more of it. And the only way that you get more of it is you have to give up stuff. If you're going to be generous, if you're going to be living for the coming age, not this present world, time's a big issue. Here's the third thing. I will intentionally share Jesus. I will intentionally share Jesus. If, if we're really about... If God's given us this stuff to make an eternal difference, then we ought to be about telling people how the eternal difference is made. And I believe that Scripture teaches that every single one of us that calls ourselves a follower of Jesus, that part of that following is to share who He is in our lives and what He's done for people that do not know. Can I just say that over the next month is one of the easiest times in the world to invite people to come to church? People that are not believers, people that are not churched, are more interested in going to church during Christmas than any other time of year. It's still ingrained in our culture that Christmas is about Jesus and that part of that is to come to church. So I want to challenge you over the next month, starting next week. We start a new series of messages next week. And so for the next week, the next few weeks until we get to Christmas, we're going to be very intentional about talking about Jesus and about Jesus coming to earth and what that means for us. So I'm going to invite you to ask somebody to come with you, to bring somebody with you to church over the next few weeks. Now, don't do this. Don't go to the neighbor that's next to you that is a believer, solid, just goes to another church and say, hey, just come be my friend for a day. All right? Also, don't do this. Don't go up to somebody and say, hey, listen, uh, my preacher said I had to find somebody that was a heathen and unchurched and didn't know anything about Jesus. And, hey, you want to go to church? But say, hey, we're having some cool stuff happen. It's Christmas. You want to come to church with me or I'd love for you to come. Now, don't just say, hey, go to our church sometime. Ask them to come with you. We've got all kinds of cool stuff happening. I mean, we, we've got the giving extravaganza happening on the 14th. We've got Angel Tree happening on the 7th. Um, during the month of December, our preschool choir is going to sing, uh, I think, on the 14th. Our children's choir, I believe, is going to sing on the 21st. On the night of the 14th, we've got our senior adult uh, choir that's going to be presenting a Christmas musical. On the 21st, we're going to have a night with the band from this service, a night of praise and worship, Christmas praise and worship on the night of the 21st. We're going to have uh, our candlelight service. And listen, if people don't want to go to church any other time of year, you invite them to a candlelight service. It's cool. They come. They get to hold an open flame in their hands, right? Invite people to come and tell them to come. We do Christmas Eve candlelight. We, we're not like some churches that have 45 Christmas Eve services. We got one. It's easy to remember, all right? 5.30, Christmas Eve, here. Invite them to come. And intentionally share the hope that is within you. Now, in case we think Paul's the only one that kind of taught this, most of you know this passage, but if not, Jesus also said in Matthew chapter 6, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven 
where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. And then again, Jesus tells people, the ground of a certain man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And he said, I know what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones and I'll have more surplus. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take, eat, drink, be merry, take life easy. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it is for whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. I'm asking you to quit building bigger barns and start practicing being good at being rich. It'll mean three things. It'll mean you focusing on stewardship over ownership. It's mine that God has given me, but it's not mine to have. I'm just managing it for a little bit. It'll mean focusing on people over possessions. The only thing that you come in contact with every day that is eternal are the people that are in your lives. And it will mean focusing on the eternal over the temporal. So I'm asking you over the next few weeks to practice at being rich and to be good at doing it. At doing good, at being generous and being rich in good deeds. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be arrogant or to put their hope in their stuff because in the end that stuff is uncertain. But put their hope in God who freely gives to us for our enjoyment. Command them to do good and to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. In this way they will lay up for themselves treasures and a firm foundation for the coming age and they will enjoy life here Better than anyone can imagine. My final challenge to you as we finish this series, and in a moment we're going to have a time of response, and I'm just going to ask you to respond. Maybe it's that you need to pray that that God would help to give you a heart to do that. Maybe you need to pray God will open doors financially for you to be able to do that. Maybe you need to come and talk about baptism. I mean, over this month, if you've been here, you've seen time after time, week after week, people being baptized, and you know it's time for you to talk about that. You've never done that, and you want to talk about it. We're going to have a response time in a minute. But here's my last challenge to you, and it is simply this. Whether you feel like it or not, whether your bank account looks like it or not, you are rich. And if you're going to be rich, you might as well be good at it. So I challenge you, not just for this season, but for the rest of your life, be good at being rich. Let's pray together.